Come for the NBA talks. Stay for the monkey bread reviews. Welcome back into Scalzo and Brust across ESPN Wisconsin. No Ben, no Greg today. Brian D. and Telly Hughes and as your cousin subs of the day live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. And joining us now to talk Bucks basketball, talk NBA free agency, and most importantly, talk monkey bread. It's our good buddy Eric Name of The Athletic covers the Bucks closer than anybody. Eric, walk me through your breakfast this morning. You posted pictures at Eric underscore name on Twitter that looked absolutely spectacular. Uh, I mean, it was pretty simple. I made my way over to uh, Rocket Baby Bakery over in Tota, got some monkey bread, had a lemon poppy seed muffin as well. It was, uh, it was a nice little morning. All right, you're sugared up. I like it. Uh, sugared up to talk some NBA basketball. Um, I want to start, E, before we get to the Bucks with uh, the, the big move in the NBA this afternoon. Rudy Gobert traded from Utah and Minnesota for not one, not two, not three, but four first-round picks. Uh, what the hell is Utah doing? Tearing it down. They are tearing it down in a serious way. Um, I mean, I know there's some conversation. Uh, our reporter in Utah, Tony Jones, reported that you know they're going to keep Donovan Mitchell in attempt to rebuild or retool or whatever that word is around around him. But to me, I just I think you see Danny Ainge come in. I think you see him hire a coach that he really likes from the Boston system, give him a five-year deal. That to me suggests they're getting ready for a full-on rebuild and they're going to tear it all down, and I think we see Donovan Mitchell trade as well. But maybe they end up keeping Mitchell and trying to do something here. I know there's some rumors about DeAndre Ayton being someone that they might target to try to pair with Donovan Mitchell, but, I mean, they're, they're really trying to do something something brand new over there, and I don't know if you can blame them. You know, I think they reached a point where they needed to break up, and they got five picks for Rudy Gobert. Like, I think that's a, a pretty massive win for them if you're talking about possible trades for Rudy Gobert this offseason. So, Eric, you say all that to say that Donovan Mitchell will be traded to Miami and they'll go for a full <laughs> re- rebuild. I'll just get But, I mean, no, if you really look at it, I mean, our old friend Justin Zanuck, who is the GM, yeah. they just hired uh, David Fisdale to be the associate general manager. And so – I look at what Danny Ainge did when he hired Brad Stevens. Uh, the Celtics weren't in a good place. So I think you're absolutely right when you say that, I mean, Danny Ainge has gone to Utah and he's probably going to implement the same formula that he had in Boston. But I do believe that Donovan Mitchell won't be the sacrificial lamb in terms of being the only one left there and they're going to build around him, I think this is a golden opportunity for them to get even more picks if they get rid of Donovan Mitchell at this point, who clearly I think may feel like he has taken a step back instead of taking a step forward to get to the championship. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think if you you can try to sell him on the fact that, you know, you bring in DeAndre and again, that's just a rumor. But, I mean, you could try to sell him on that, but I think ultimately he's going to say, you know what, if you guys want to go in a different direction, that's fine with me. There's been rumors about me wanting out anyways, so let me try to go find somewhere else as well. You guys can have all the picks that you want. You can have your new coach. You can have your new system. And you can do all of that with, who knows, if if it's five picks for Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, 
Is it another five for Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. It might be. So I think that'll be something that'll be very interesting to watch here in the coming maybe days or week. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I know it's still very much early on in free agency and the frenzy continues, seems like, every hour. But so far, who has made the biggest improvement or the biggest splash? I mean, the biggest news, of course, is KD saying he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. But so far, what signing you think has elevated, or not elevated, but made a team better? Man, I think... It's honestly, I'm really curious to see kind of what happens. There's two teams in the East. I think the Sixers have gotten better uh, with getting P.J. Tucker and just kind of solidifying all that, getting James Harden to take less than the max, $30 million or so per year. I think that helps them out a lot. And then you know, I think the other team that represented the East in the NBA Finals, trading for one of our old friends here in Milwaukee, Malcolm Brogdon today, like, I think that's another spot where – I'm very curious to see how it works. I think the Celtics needed like a true pass-first point guard, and that isn't necessarily what Malcolm Brogdon is. But his talent is undeniable when he's healthy, and I do think that makes them an even more dangerous team this year. So I guess I, I'm always going to look at it through a Bucks, uh, you know, kind of lens, but you look at those two teams in the East, and I think they've really solidified themselves and put themselves in that exact same conversation with the Milwaukee Bucks to compete in the Eastern Conference next year. Eric Name of The Athletic covers the Bucks with us here on Scalzo and Brust across ESPN Wisconsin. Brian D. and Telly Hughes in for the guys as your cousins subs of the day. Eric, where do you think KD is going to end up? Um, man, I mean, I, I think it probably ends up being Phoenix. I think you look at the package that but they can offer the fact that KD actually wants to be there. I think by the end of it, it ends up being Aiton and Bridges, maybe throwing Cam Johnson in a couple picks. And if you don't want to throw in Cam Johnson or you're real skittish on throwing in Bridges, then you throw in a pile more picks. Like I, To me, that's probably the spot where he ends up. But, I, I mean, in my brain, I, was, I kept thinking about the Pelicans. I know that's not a team that Durant had on his list, but – in my brain, I'm thinking about the Pelicans and, you know, what they could be. You throw Zion in a trade, that would be a lot of the package. You don't have to maybe throw in as many picks. But I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. But I do think the Suns kind of, to me, are the team that, that looks to be in the lead and, and the team that I think he ultimately ends up going to. Man, I can, Bucks fans got to be psyched to hear something like that. Just getting him out of the Eastern Conference would be huge <laughs> for the Milwaukee Bucks. So, Eric, looking at the handful of moves the Bucks have made to try and run it back a little bit, uh, what sticks out to you? For me, it's it's the Joe Inglis move, um, or Ingles, I should pronounce his name correctly. Um, br- bringing him in, I, I know it's kind of risky because he's coming off an ACL injury that we, he suffered pretty late in the season. Uh, what are the Bucks expecting? out of him and when might he even be able to contribute it's it's kind of taking a flyer on a guy that may or may not contribute at all yeah i mean it's it's always tough to know with an acl um i mean i guess the good thing is we're talking about an acl as opposed to an achilles uh, we've gotten a lot better with modern science of you know being able to have an acl and have a guy come back in, in less than a year maybe 10 months or so uh, if you look at that timeline i think his surgery was on february 22nd you go 10 months from there maybe you're in january early February. I think in an ideal world, the Bucks get him on the floor for a month or so before the trade deadline, uh, just to see if, hey, did this actually work out? Did it not work out? Because if 
if you're the Bucks and you trade for Ingles, essentially what you're excited about is the fact that, you know, people are going to look at Joe Ingles and say, hey, he's a 40.8% three-point shooter for his career. That's what you're getting. You're getting a shooter. You always want to shoot around Giannis. And, and I think the, the thing that goes a little bit overlooked with Ingles is he might have been the best pick-and-roll player on the Jazz for the last three, four years. Like, it was him and Jordan Clarkson being the ones that could really do some damage in the pick and roll as opposed to, to Donovan Mitchell. And, and that guy ended up kind of being their heartbeat uh, in all those Quinn Snyder-led teams. And for me, when I'm thinking about what he can do, the shooting stands out. But with the Bucks so often in the playoffs, we've seen the offense really bogged down. You know, in the half court, they can't score. They, they can't figure things out. Teams put up the wall against Giannis. They don't know how to break it down. And, I think there's a difference in swinging the ball to Joe Ingles in the corner versus swinging it to just a guy that's going to shoot the ball like Wesley Matthews. Like, Joe Ingles can knock down 40% from the three-point line, and those are going to be great looks, so maybe it's even a little bit higher than that. But also, if you run him off the three-point line, he can really do a nice job on closeouts. He can get the lane. He's got great vision. He's a great passer. Uh, like, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that he can do that makes him a really good addition uh, to everything that that the Bucks are trying to do and, and really help them out with all the, the problems that they end up having offensively in the postseason. So, Eric, you got Portis, Carter, Ingles, and Matthews. The Bucks have already re-signed. Who do you think uh, – what else needs to be addressed and who could be someone they could target in another move – as we all know, that they're most likely not finished doing, I mean, willing and dealing this offseason. Yeah, I mean, they got one roster spot left right now that, that you think they could probably use. And to me, I think there's a, a couple of things, right? Like, I think in drafting Marjan Beauchamp, they got younger, they got more athletic. I think that's something that this team could continue to use more of, you know, just a, a really springy athletic dude uh, that can just go out and really be fun in transition. Uh, they're not an old team, but I would call them a very professional team. <laughs> they have a lot of guys that like to play at a slower pace. And when you have the greatest transition weapon in the history of basketball in Yasin Akumbo, you want partners for him. You want people to go out there and be able to run. And, and I think that is one thing, just in general, I, I don't even know if it necessarily matters the position. Like you want to get someone uh, that can really get out there and run. I think that's one thing. And then if you're looking at, Backup positions, we saw how badly the Bucks were hurt last year when one of their guys in their three-man, big-man rotation went down. When Brook Lopez went down, they struggled to have the depth all year long. I think someone that can fill in as a backup center would be helpful, but the problem is you're probably going to have to wait a couple days on that guy because he's going to look for places where he can have real opportunity. If those three guys stay healthy, there's not a lot of opportunity in Milwaukee. So I think that's a spot – Maybe backup point guard, George Hill, was not healthy at the end of the season. He really struggled in those five games against the Celtics. He was a negative for them on the floor when he was out there. Javon Carter is a great signing, but he pounds point guards. He's great defensively, knocks down open shots, but there's not a whole lot of floor general in him. So I, I do wonder, you know, those are, I think, three different spots where you can go. And I think ultimately John Horse is just going to let the board uh, play out and, and see where the best value is. Andre Drummond would have looked pretty nice. Two <laughs> years, 
Six, oh my gosh. That would have been fun. <laughs> All right, last thing for you, Eric, real quick. I know you're going to Vegas next week for uh, the Bucks Summer League play in the NBA Summer League. We talk about 50-40-90 guys in the NBA. Uh, Chris was almost a 50-40-90 guy. Malcolm Brogdon, 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90 from the free throw line. I want your percentage of work, sleep, and what we'll appropriately call networking on the air here in Las Vegas. What's your 50-40-90 split for those three in Vegas? Oh, you know, <laughs> I would say all of the activities that I participate in Vegas, other than sleep, are work. Everything is work. Even if I'm networking, I'm still working. So sure. in my mind, it's really just like 90-10. Like 10 is sleep. And then 90, the rest of it is just, I'm working. And again, does networking sometimes happen in a casino, at a table? I mean, sure, that has happened. Does it happen over drinks sometimes? Of course. Does it happen over a meal of carbone? Yes, those things happen. But that is all work. And I just want, if any of my bosses, editors are listening, just know how hard I am working every moment I'm in Las Vegas. Stay away from the roof of uh, Caesar's Palace, Eric. Appreciate the time. <laughs> Have a great holiday weekend. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having See me, guys. Eric. There you go. That's Eric Name of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore name for all of the best Bucks coverage. Nobody covers the team closer than Eric Name of The Athletic. Coming up next in Hour 2 of Scalzo and Brust, heading into a long holiday weekend. It's U.S. See you later. We'll dive into what's happening in the world of college sports on the other side. This is Scalzo and Brust across ESPN Wisconsin. Brian Z and Telly Hughes, and as your cousin subs of the day.